Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. Uh, we are a little bit musty because we've been working too hard and haven't taken a shower. And I'm speaking for myself, obviously. I took a shower. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's my lovely co-host, Michelle. Uh, I am your host, Jesus Noland. And uh, you can find me at The Musty Creative on Twitter. This is episode number one. And uh, we're going to have some fun and just talk about some things. And then open up. I'll open up about a side project I've been working on. So, um, Michelle, uh, a couple things I've been looking at this week. Uh, from a creative standpoint, we watched uh, Dragon Prince on Netflix. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Binge watched. We binge watched it. That's true. And I, I, we're gonna speak of creativity from a positive standpoint. So I'm not gonna critique Dragon Prince. This is not that kind of a show. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I I did like the story. It reminded me a lot of Avatar: The Last Airbender, which makes sense because Aaron Chase. I believe it. That's his name. Was one of the writers. I think like number three on the writing list as far as episodes made. For uh, he actually was one who created, or I think he's a showrunner for the Dragon Prince. So I hope it gets a part two because it was just or a season two or whatever. Well, they had a cliffhanger at the end, so I'm assuming. Yeah, the Dragon Prince was born. It was a dragon. Spoilers, um, if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it's sort of in the title. <laughs> Or just yeah, it's kind of in the title, right? The Dragon Prince was born, and we'll, uh, we can talk about that a little bit more uh, later on. And then uh, you had something that you thought was interesting, right? Oh yeah, I just I just want to talk about um, Colin Kaepernick's Nike ad campaign and how it's um, very successful. Yeah, so I think what's interesting with the whole Colin Kaepernick. Um, I guess you say timeline. Uh, I'm a I'm a fan of sports, so I actually knew Colin Kaepernick before he started protesting. So I am a hipster in that way. I I was watching him as a football fan. Then he started to dip in his football stats and career. So uh, the, and then after that, for you know the whole 2016 2017 presidential election, the whole Black Lives Matter movement started. Uh, we started to see video of young black men unarmed being shot by police. And Colin Kaepernick decides to sit. He first sits on the bench during the national anthem being played uh, when uh, I think it's like a preseason game. And so he doesn't say anything. He gets asked by the media, why did you sit? And then he says, I am protesting the fact that there is inequality in America about unarmed black men being shot by police. And he says that I will continue to sit until something happens. That was his initial statement to the world, right? Then he gets like called up by some like football people and by some veterans and people get mad because you're you're just you're honoring you're dishonoring the veterans. And so he says, okay, I will kneel, right? And kneeling would be a little bit more respectful. People kneel for prayer in church. No one thinks of that as being disrespectful, but for some for some reason, kneeling has become disrespectful when it comes to the flag because everybody stands, which is not true. I've seen it many times where people do not just stand; they're talking, they're doing other things. Yeah. When I've attended patriotic events, but so the whole thing is now that uh, I guess Nike and Colin Kaepernick got together, created this ad campaign. 
back in Labor Day, it was announced. And it's very simple. It's just uh, believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything. So that was like a pretty bold statement. And now it's being used as a meme <laughs> for other reasons. Mm-hmm. But it, when, you're, when you're going through this, this process, this is like a creative project, right? And we can't, like, as much as we want to say, yay, you know, good job, Nike, for standing up for inequality. Nike's trying to make money, right? They're doing a marketing campaign. So it's a creative project, right? And they say, let's bring in this, this figure. Let's tie their message into what Nike's doing which is like Nike, just do it, and let's take it and say, let's go to the next level and say, believe in your dreams, mm-hmm. even if it means sacrificing everything. So from a creative person, I've been thinking, how political should I ever get? Like, let's say this podcast becomes huge, and at some point there's something that moves my heart so much that I can't ignore it, and I need to say something. From a creative standpoint, like, you know, where do you draw the line? Um, I don't know. What do you think, Michelle? I guess it depends on who your audience is or who you want your audience to be because you know you're going to offend people if you take either side. Right, right. Um, so I don't think it's a matter of, like, being fearful of, oh, should I say this or should I not say it? It's just who, do you, who are you talking to and... Are you okay with people possibly not following you? Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, the whole purpose of art is to express yourself, and I don't think it's right that we should feel suppressed when we want to express certain things. Like, we should be able to say how we feel, and especially through art, and the creative world, like, to express our feelings because everyone has feelings either way. So, like, not to limit ourselves, right? No, I don't think you should. I mean, if you're, like, I think there's a difference between attacking something and just expressing your opinion about something. Right. Because I don't think it's right to attack but i think it's okay to express that you disagree with people or that you or this makes you uncomfortable yeah so i think like once you start limiting yourself on what you can and can't say you don't you're not being true to who you are and it's ruining your creativity overall i think if you can't really share who you are with people so so it's interesting you saying that because uh one thing that has been expressed from one of the political sides in our spectrum of america and america is the greatest country on the on the planet so i'm not against america but one thing that has been expressed is the fact that pc culture political correctness um has destroyed our society's ability to be able to discuss things that are important but hard to discuss. But then it seems hypocritical because that same side doesn't seem to want to talk about the issue that Colin Kaepernick brought up. Mm -hmm. And going into the whole creative being able to express yourself, I think we have to understand that it 
we can't have political correctness for every facet of our life. And as a creative, I think that's a problem that you feel limited by your society in how you are able to express yourself. Yeah. And it's funny because then that's, again, one of the tenets, the Bill of Rights, the freedom of expression, the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, to be able to do that and to not uh, get arrested. It doesn't protect you from blowback, though. And so this is what's interesting. So to, to wrap up this segment, um, when I first saw this ad, I, was, I personally was like, oh, wow, Nike went there. Uh, I'm not a big like Nike like contributor. Like I don't buy a lot of Nike products. Mm-hmm. Uh, like recently, I've been doing that lately. I've been getting into shoes. I just bought like some Nike Air Precisions, mm-hmm. and I'm looking into buying some more shoes. But I've never really been a big Nike person. I was raised on Payless, <laughs> so that's that's how my parents raised me. But um, initially. According to this article by TheBlaze.com, Nike's stock fell 3% after the Colin Kaepernick uh, ad announcement. Mm -hmm. And then what's been happening since then, it's actually surged 5%. So you have like a gain of 2%, right? And then I guess that's been adding a whopping $6 billion to the company's market value. So in the end... I guess in this instance, even though Colin Kaepernick is like very divisive in this time of America, it's okay to, (laughs) from a dollar standpoint, to get a little divisive. All right, so that's it's very interesting. Nike stock went up in surge and they made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to Dragon Prince and kind of speak on that from a creative standpoint and. You know, I think we should just talk about like maybe three things that we really enjoyed from that show's uh, first season. So I'll say for one, I love the world building of the Dragon Prince. Mm-hmm. The intro was amazing, even from an animation standpoint. That was an amazing intro with like <laughs> the you first have like the sea kind of you know ocean kind of view, some birds, and then all of a sudden this huge dragon just shows up out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's just flying calmly. You know, usually we see dragons and it's like danger, fire. Death, destruction. Death, destruction, <laughs> exactly. Um, if you read the book of Revelation, dragons are like bad, 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 right? So it's interesting that when you just watch this this little intro and, it you know, you have a, a narrative, like a voiceover um then it's like, let's explain the, the six sources of magic that are pure. The sun, the moon, right? The, all <laughs> Captain the stuff. Planet. You know, well, no, it's not Captain <laughs> Planet. But, but the whole idea here is that they're explaining the world, and I really thought they did a great job with the world building. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about that. Uh, a second thing that I really enjoyed about the Dragon Prince was the little subtleness of humor. Uh, it wasn't completely kiddish. Mm-hmm. In that regard, and that's one thing I really appreciated about the Avatar: The Last Airbender, because they had funny stuff, but it wasn't completely for children only. Um, like for instance, they had oh, that's my phone notifications, but they had one uh, one instance where they have this toad, and the toad is called Bait, which is <laughs> really wrong. But it's this weird thing. It's not a toad all the way. It's like a bull. Toad, so it's like a ugly 
toad. It's pretty ugly. It's like a pit bull and a toad combined, and it changes color and it has weird spots. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, they call the toad bait. The kids do, and I was like, "Why do they call it bait?" And then all of a sudden, you find out that the reason why they call it bait is because if the toad is in the water, it's like a, it's like sweet, like sweet water around it, and it attracts predators. So, like, that's kind of cold. Like, it's not something where you, like, you laugh out loud, like, ha, ha, ha. They called it bait. And it's not. He's just delicious. That's. He's delicious. But it's funny, like, again, the, the world building tied in with the comedy. It's like, oh, that's kind of that's cute. But at the same time, oh, that's funny. That, that's like a, a joke that I feel like adults would get more than, like, kids. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. Uh, my third thing that I like about this this show is. Well, I guess what I like is that the way that the magic system is set up. So it's obvious that this is a children's show because there is that black and white. But I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. There is the good magic where the elves use that and the dragons use that, where the, the six sources of magic that are pure, the sun, the moon, the earth, the, you know, the sky, all this stuff. And then there's the dark magic and black magic, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, black black stuff is bad. Anyways, but the dark magic... <laughs> <laughs> Don't make it racial. I'm not just, it's just funny. I just think it's interesting. But, yeah. but like, the dark, the dark magic is where, like, you see, like, um, uh, sacrifices made. So magical creatures must die to give you the power to use dark magic. Mm-hmm. So one instance was, like, there was fire that needed to be created... And so this dark magic practitioner, uh, she got a magical butterfly, crushed it, or no, a spider. Spider, yeah. A magical spider, crushed it, and then its blood was used in an incantation to, like, spread fire. Mm-hmm. Now, that stuff creeps me out. And I think, that's, I think that's good because that shows that it's a little bit more than a kid's show. Mm-hmm. But I think the magic system is well-established. It makes sense. And I think we're, we're, we're in... For season two, we're in for some, I hope, some really spectacular magic battles mm-hmm. where you have some, like, high elf that's really great at the, the good pure magic and maybe one of the dark practitioners battling it off. Because that that's something I'm looking forward to. Well, I think the, because they keep saying that the dragon king or whatever was supposed to be the most powerful creature. True. So I'm just wondering, like, what, types of powers we're going to see from the the dragon prince. Well, you you actually saw one of them. The dragon prince was able to cut off the band mm-hmm. on one of the characters. The right? binding, yeah. Yeah, so that was cool. That was actually really cool, and it was like, oh, like, <laughs> yay, she's free. And it's like, he just His like... His little baby teeth <laughs> got yeah. rid of it. Well, because they used... They, they, they wouldn't even try to get like a sunfire da- dagger, which is supposed to be like... The like the hottest metal on earth, and even that was still like wasn't enough. Wasn't enough to cut off the the binding, and then this little dragon baby is like, <laughs> and it's like it's gone, right? Okay, so from a creative standpoint, what can we learn um, in building our own story, building our own worlds? Um, well, I think they, I feel like they built a good foundation, so it's sort of like instead of building the world as the story goes they already built the world and they're just putting you in the middle of it 
Yeah. So as you go through whatever they're going through, you're learning about the world. So it's not like they're trying to create things for specific episodes. It's like it's already in the world and you're just discovering it. It feels they're natural. Showing, yeah, they're just showing, they're just revealing what they already built to you. So I think yeah. that's why um, I got into it because it wasn't like, it just felt like really well planned and yeah. there was no part where it felt like they're just trying to fill in gaps or figure out how stuff's going to work. Like they already really r- wrote it out really well and figured out how the world works and the magic and all that stuff. So it wasn't, yeah. it just felt, yeah, it felt natural, like what you're saying. Yeah, like, and that that was what was really great. When you, when you really get into world building, you have to then, when you express it through a story to your readers or to the people watching, whatever your creation is, like, you have to look at it like you're giving them a lens into one part of the world. And things have to make sense. Like one thing that was cool in, in, in one of the episodes was uh, there was a really interesting character that was created. She's like the aunt of of the of another character or the couple of characters, and she's really powerful. And so you could instantly see that being a problem. Like, okay, we had this OP character. Like she can't travel with the the, the main band because it just the battling and the the adventure would be too easy. Mm-hmm. So they had to send her away. Right. And there's a logical reason why it's like, oh, well, you're the general of this human kingdom and there's a breach in our walls and only you can be there to make sure that breach doesn't get bigger. And there's a full on invasion into our kingdom. So it's like you have to go. Mm-hmm. And it's like, OK, that makes sense. It's logical. Like the human kingdom is fighting against the elvish kingdom and the dragons. And it's like, OK, makes complete sense. Like you want to keep that breach from getting any wider so you send your best warrior to go out and do it. And I think that solves the problem of having an OP character, right? So many stories can suffer from that problem, and they have to find different ways um, to to get around that. And when I say OP, I mean overpowered, mm-hmm. right? Just like, oh, this, this, this character is too, you know, too difficult, right? So like in Avatar Last Airbender, when they killed off Avatar Roku, he was really powerful, or um, in... Naruto, when they killed off the fourth Hokage, he was too powerful to have in the story all the time. So, very interesting stuff. Great. So, we're going to move on. There's so many more subjects I wanted to get to um, from a creative standpoint, but that would be another episode. So, I'm going to talk about my project. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So, I've been working on a project for years. I'm not going to say how long it's been. Michelle's worked on it with me as well. Many, many. No. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. It's been a while, but not that long though. Yeah. So this project is called Lip Pen, and uh, you can visit Lip Pen uh, if you go to W. Oh, I won't even say W. You don't need that anymore. LipPen.com. L I T P E N. Dot com. Yeah. So you can visit this project that we've built. And uh, we actually have a third member of our team. She's not on the podcast. Her name is Rachel. Um, but so what this project's all about is uh, a couple years ago, I was frustrated when trying to write a story, and I needed like a quick place to add my ideas and connect them. And so this is what LibPen is. It's a fruition of, of that problem and me wanting to solve it. I'm a software engineer by trade, so I was like, let me just build my own solution. That's That was the whole the whole cause of it so the whole idea is that you start with one idea 
and then you build on it and connect it uh, in this very interesting hexagonal interface. And uh, it's a lot of fun, I think so. And I was actually able to write a full book manuscript, a novel manuscript, uh, last December. So that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But that's not what I want to focus on today. What I want to focus on as a creative, I'll try to be as positive as I can, is that when you're going through the process of creating your project, there are problems that happen along the way that keep you from attaining your goal. And for, for LitPen, recently we've had a, an issue that's affecting our users. In fact, it will probably affect you now when you go to the site is when you log in, you get a 404 error, meaning that you cannot find your, your, um, your idea. And that's, that's bad. <laughs> so this weekend I've been working on getting a solution to that as soon as possible to fix that for our users. But it's frustrating to me because I've worked so hard on this project. This bug really isn't my fault. Coding-wise, I would blame it more on the platform that we're based on. The platform is called Google, <laughs> Google Cloud Platform. <laughs> Not Google. Yeah, Google. Because we had this problem back in June. Mm -hmm. I emailed back and forth with one of their support people, and then the problem was just fixed automatically. And then I thought we were good. And now the same problem has resurfaced. Mm -hmm. Really, really annoying. I actually was able to email with one of our customers, and she actually revealed to me that uh, she's actually experiencing the same issue as well. Hmm. So from a creative standpoint, Michelle, like you, you are a filmmaker, you have projects you've done. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you find the, the wherewithal to say, you know what, I'm going to keep moving forward and not get discouraged, even though you have these problems as you're, you know, you're doing these creative projects. Um, I think what motivates me to keep going is that, I believe enough in the end result yeah. that I I sort of just don't... It's not that I don't care about the problems. It's just I, I don't allow the problems to prevent me from getting my message across or right. whatever my end result is for the film. Right. Um, so I think just allowing my passion for the topic or the um, the content of the film to be shown, I, that really helps me to work through the issues and to not let it prevent me from sharing or expressing myself. Like we were talking about earlier about right. Colin Kaepernick. Right. Like, um, it's if you believe enough in something... The obstacles don't really matter in a way because you're, you know what you want and you know what good it can do if you do get your message across. So you, you just like plow through it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I'm essentially doing this weekend in fixing this bug. And I've already been working on a solution. I got something going. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you have to. You, it, this is a, a, some a subject for another podcast episode. But you have to have a why. Yeah. A why that's strong enough, uh, a reason to believe in this project, in a film, uh, in software that you're making to say, okay, I, I, can, I can get past this. It's very important. I must get past this. I need to express this. I think like one thing I've expressed to you over the years with some of my projects is like, like a deep yearning, like even crying, like I need to get this out. 
Mm-hmm. I have this creative energy inside me. I have a story I need to tell. I have something I want to share with the world. And it has nothing to do with money. You know, like, none of my projects will probably make any money whatsoever. Like, they made a little bit of money, but not, like, I'm not living rich off of these projects. Mm-hmm. But I do them because I care so much about getting them out into the world. Yeah. And that's what's going to keep spurring me to keep going. As far as software development is concerned, though, there are ways you can mitigate these kind of bugs. And so I'm learning about, like, software architecture design and making sure to plan correctly, okay, where is your code going to be served from if it's being served from a server who's going to be your database provider and you know what kind of bandwidth costs are you looking at and so for now what the solution is going to be for us is to actually move to from uh we're still being the google cloud platform but from moving from the cloud data store to something that i've had a lot more success with recently which is google firebase and if people want to learn more about that or have me do more technical dev talks but I'll make them understandable, which is why Michelle's here, right? So I can do things that are not like, like developer speak only. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. And then uh, just you know, leave a voice message or tweet at me at Musty Creative. So uh, that's what we're gonna talk about today. Thank you for listening. Uh, really enjoyed having my co-host here with me, and uh, we'll see you next time. I gotta go take a shower because I am musty because I am working too hard. <laughs>